Hello and welcome to the True Blue LA podcast. A, a sad episode, but um, smile that it happened. I don't, you know, I'm trying to channel a lot of Van Energy, who is so much about uh, looking forward to the joys that were to come. Um, and I'm trying to do that, but it's also just, it's undeniably sad at the same time. Hi, Eric. Yep. Hello. <laughs> uh, Jacob, hello. Um, this episode is obviously going to be all about Vince Scully. Um, and yeah, like I would say well, we're recording this about, I would say almost exactly 24 hours after we, uh, the news came out that he died. Our normal um, recording time, it just worked, it yeah. worked out that way that we didn't need to move things up, but whatever, you know, I'm sure 24 hours ago, you and I were thinking, oh, this will be about the trade deadline and all of yeah. that. And um, well, no, no, not anymore. Obviously, tonight is going to be a lot of Miguel Vargas talk. But, and then some Vin. No, um, no. it's going to be all Vin. Um, so, yeah, I think at some lately, even like in well into last night, I was this is going to be a sad episode. Right. But then like at, for me, at least uh, as the day wore on or like the night wore on and then into today, it has turned it at least to me, like a lot more positive than I was expecting. And it's been kind of wonderful in a way, which is another like sort of testament to Vince Scully. But we'll, we'll obviously get into that because he he touched a lot of lives and uh, hope to sort of, um, you know, at least honor that on this episode. So, so yeah, the full quote, which I I just looked up is a, uh, a Dr. Seuss quote, apparently. Oh, yeah. Uh, don't yeah, cry true. because it's over. Smile because it happened. But, you know, Vin would, uh, would mention that. And that's... That is, uh, you know, I, I'm in that phase about 80% of the time, and then just something about it will yeah. make me go back sad town and, and cry. I, uh, uh, yeah. And I'm sure that's what this, this episode's going to be. So I, I'm i fairly certain I did. I spent a decent amount of time in the library at UCSD in college because I was a nerd and didn't have uh, didn't have a social life. But um, no, uh, but it was the Theodore Geisel Library, and that's Dr. Seuss. So, like... Very nice. And I, I'm, I would say I'm certain I read stuff about Ben Scully in that library. Um, this was early internet, so I don't think I was necessarily online a bunch, but literal books and like stuff with Ben Scully stuff. So the connection it just keeps uh, continuing. Well, we're gonna take care of a bit of business, and then yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Ben after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice. Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is mostly going to be kind of from the hip and you and I ad-libbing it. Um, but one thing I wanted to start off with is uh, my sleep schedule has been really screwed up. And um, for what, you know, 
by the grace of God yesterday, it, it was not uh, until till near the end of the night when I, I couldn't fall asleep. I was, I was that sad. Um, but uh, because of that, I was getting to watch the game live versus taking like a nap at 10 p.m., which doesn't make sense. You're right. And because of that, I was working on something. And when Joe Davis announced uh, that Ven had passed and as sad as it made me, the gratitude I have that that's how I learned. I learned about this tremendously sad but important news during a Giants Dodgers game and not like I don't know if you've had to learn stuff through like social media like this but where you'll get like a completely out of context tweet that makes you have to figure yeah. something out I, having to have to learn about that would have been just devastating and if I you know for such a sad thing to have occurred that's how I wanted I want I wanted Joe Davis to tell me live uh, on TV so, and I'm really grateful for that I I was recording the um the leading off episode for Wednesday morning. And I was, I maybe had like two to three minutes left. Right. And I, I had tweet deck or the whatever tweeting is the, the tweet deck replacement. And, and I had that sort of open, um, as I was recording and I just saw the, like from afar, I couldn't see the full tweet, but it was just Dodgers with, two graphics one was a large picture of being then the a bunch of text without before i even like zoomed in i knew immediately what it was and i had to like i had to pause obviously and uh just like that hit super hard like it was one of those i don't ever want to say like i knew it was coming because that's not fair Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. i don't think that's even true but you you know he was 94 like it's bound to happen at some point and but you, you're never prepared for it, and like yeah. you know, it was it was very difficult. The, <laughs> and the, like, the Dodgers announced yeah. it at the very start, I believe, of the bottom of the fifth. I think okay, um, maybe it was bottom of the fourth. Um, yeah, and Brandon Belt hit a near home run that made it a little hard for Joe Davis and like kudos to handling as much as you can. You can't, as Vin would want, not call the game, and he you know he he did so in multiple occasions, having to make that balance. Um, but I went back cause I wanted to, I was in so such a sense of shock, um, afterwards I'm like, I want to go back and listen to it, uh, the actual announcement. And I, I went too far back. And so I ended up on, I believe again, that the top of the, uh, the fifth and, um, if anyone's curious, it, it's, uh, I think you could kind of pinpoint when, when Joe and Jessica oh, when they found, found out. out. Because, you know, Joe's so good about almost every pitch, one and one, low and outside, you know, he can be calling it. And there's this just stretch with, um, I think, one out where, like, that does not happen. And there's a really long period of silence. And at the time, you know, not enough to where you realized it, like, uh, what's going on? Why aren't they talking? But enough on retrospect, you go back and that, like, that's that's a quiet period. And you can tell they're just like, how do we handle this? And you can tell that. Um, and Joe even said uh, afterwards, like they they knew that he wasn't doing great. Um, uh, John Wiseman called out like th- he couldn't have been doing great for him to not have a presence at Gil Hodges's uh, induction because uh, Gil meant so so much to Ben um, and, and uh, Sandy Kovac statue. Right, right, yeah. right. Um, and uh, all, uh, all of this to meant that, like, they, you know, the, uh, I'm sure a lot of the material Joe Davis had planned in terms of stories and a lot of the graphics and all that had been had been prepared as, as newspapers sure. do with obituaries and all that. 
But I think even then, even they who were privy to maybe some more private or personal information than, than, than even we are, it's still the when shock hits, that they had to go it through. Hits, yeah. it hits, like, and it hits hard. Uh, yeah, for sure. <sighs> and, I, I, you know, I think, again, we're, this is very by the hip, but we're here to kind of talk about why it hit hard to begin with. Why... Uh, uh, for you and me, uh, and for so, so many people, you know, it's easy to say in Southern California, but just fans of baseball, fans of sport, fans of of narrative and storytelling and, and, and just good human beings are so deeply affected by this. Yeah, he was such a great, like, storyteller. Uh, my personal reaction, obviously, I kept it together long enough to finish the podcast, and I, I think if you listen, I, I was probably rushing through like the last few notes i had you know just to sort of get it done and then to breathe <laughs> uh, after and then it uh i i cried a lot um bawling was uh, mixed in there for sure and it was like the kind of reaction I, I i'm i'm a habitual crier so it's not that but like it honestly felt like i lost a family member which is a weird thing to say yeah. because he's not you know i've met i've met him worked with him i don't have i didn't have a personal relationship with him other than occasionally seeing him um but the fact that he's been in my life for so long um you know growing up listening to him um my whole life basically and then getting to like be in interviews with him and things like that it really isn't that far off from being a family member so i sort of get it but it really did like this i think the finality of it i wasn't ready for is, is probably why um it hit so hard and yeah, it just, it, it was very difficult. Um, you, you mentioned, like, you know, having having to, like, prepare and pre-write things and having stuff ready. I, for, as a rule, like, I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm, I don't, maybe it's just because I didn't want to, but, like, I have never, um, I had never pre-written uh, uh, an obituary, right? It mm -hmm. just didn't feel right to do it. Like, yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I don't think I could ever do it. However, when we, um, so right. So uh, in like early 2020, when SB nation was like sort of, uh, sort of going back to some of the California sites, uh, after uh, the contractor law situation. And, um, like I was doing stuff for like SBNation.com and they were trying to sort of beef up the team sites again. So I was going to move back to the team sites and they were trying to get me to do that. So I went out to a conference they had for the California sites. And one of the things, and that was, this was like a month or maybe a few weeks after Kobe Bryant died. So, and then the Harrison Fagan who ran the Lakers blog at the time sort of talked about how they, they, they covered it and they, they did a really good job covering it. Just like, you know, sort of cathartic reaction type stuff. It was, it was really good. But one of the things I took from that was it made me want to sit down specifically about Vince Scully and write what I wanted to write while I had a clear head. I, mm -hmm. so I, I literally, the, the, um, obituary that I had last night was almost, I would say 90% or maybe 95% written, uh, in February, 2020. Um, but I went through it last night to obviously make sure it was still relevant. And, um, and so, yeah, I just added a couple things and, and that was it. But, um, it, it was one of those where, like, because I couldn't, I couldn't have had the clarity to say what I really wanted to say, and I wanted to make sure I said what I really wanted to say 
And so that that was a I, I consider that a blessing. I I didn't I absolutely did not want to do it, but I'm I'm a hundred percent glad I did. And yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I hope that came through. Yeah, yeah. I am um, I am also a habitual crier, except around death generally. And you know, I, I'm sure it's just some weird way my body has uh, of coping. But I tend to stiff upper upper lip, uh, yeah. really slowly process stuff like that. Um, and so to the point where, um, you know, I certainly have cried at, at funerals of, of family members. Um, but when it comes to celebrities, people I didn't know, et cetera, I, I've cried. I cried um, when Tom Petty died because mm. he is, uh, uh, he was yeah. the sound of my childhood. A lot of really important memories with my, my dad, especially um, where he was li- literally the soundtrack to. Um, and that, that I was not, if you had said, are you going to cry when Tom Petty? I don't know, but it like, kind of hit me. Um, and it's, 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 it's interesting. I've been reading, uh, speaking of pre-written, this is what I wrote before you recorded just cause I, I knew I would screw it up if I had to do this, yep. um, completely from heart. But, uh, I've been reading a lot of people's personal reactions to, to Vin's passing and a really common thread going back to the Tom Petty thing is a, a voice in my childhood. And that really, that so many people said that resonated with me. Not that it surprised me, but it, it resonated because Vin was not the voice of my childhood. Uh, you know, we this comes up all the time in the podcast when I, usually when I get a trivia question wrong. Um, <laughs> baseball was an in-person joy for me throughout my childhood. Yeah. I, I did not watch baseball on TV. I didn't listen on the radio. And it wasn't, and a lot of, I wasn't, excuse me, it wasn't until I was a late teenager that I went from, I like going to a baseball game uh, to, oh, I'm a baseball fan and I'm a, I'm a Dodgers fan. And I was there. Um, and who was there to greet me uh, when I decided, like, you know what? I think I'm going to I'm actually a baseball fan. But the permanent forever poet laureate of baseball. And, um, growing up, I was a video game playing computer loving geek. And in those circles, a lot of the time, especially uh, in those days, uh, in sort of the 90s and the aughts, um Sports fandom was was silly. It was for jocks. It was it was uncool. That was yeah. a thing for normies or whatever. Uh-huh. But I knew I knew that I loved baseball. Like going to the baseball was just like the highlight of a family experience for me. Um, and then when I finally kind of grew up enough to get past whatever people cared about, uh, uh, who was there? Uh, but but then to show me that the joy that baseball could bring, and. So not only did you have this perfect storyteller to say, like, oh, by the way, now that you're going to be watching Dodger games almost every day uh, during the summer and spring, this is what you could listen to, this incredible storyteller. But he encompassed what I love specifically about baseball more than uh, any any other sport. Um, when you read any interview with Vin and you ask him about, like, how do you want to be remembered or what's important? Uh, he said he wanted to be remembered as a good man a good father, a good husband, a good grandfather in baseball is never mentioned. Bill Shankin pointed this out, I think in a tweet yesterday, um, because it's, it's lighthearted. It's a children's game. It, it doesn't matter. It's this thing that just doesn't matter in life. Uh, and yet who else, uh, for more than 60 years, you talked about this. I know, um, on your Twitter feed, uh, 60 years later could exude just giddiness over yeah. like Clayton curve, uh, like Kershaw's curveball or a, uh, Eric Gagne changeup, I think is the uh, example you used or a gush over a four run comeback over back to back to back to back home runs. 
um, or lament a, a play I sent you um, over the the embarrassment of three errors oh, in a single right. play. Which uh, this I think um, it got shared a few times. Uh, we'll we'll have to put it in the show notes. It's so good. It's a great uh, Clayton Kershaw moment, and it's a great Vince Scully yeah. moment. Did, didn't he say? I forgot what he said at the end of it, but it made me laugh. Uh, he was like, "Walk off the field" or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he's I, like, I, "Do you want to watch that again?" <laughs> yeah, no, that's but, embarrassing. Like that—that that was my favorite. Just like that. I, I don't. I didn't know how to write it in the show notes, but the Eric Gagne thing specifically, also because I couldn't find the video. But he's done it on other things. But just the—he'll just be like. Oh, like, you know, just like that. Like, my my favorite shocked, example like, is the yeah. public enemy number one. Oh, oh yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. again, in a just, spring training game, and uh, a, a really good example is like, like here is the man who knows baseball doesn't matter that much. And especially yeah. he'll be like, it's, I, and my job is to call yeah. the greatness of the people. What I do doesn't matter. And yet, and yet. Uh, uh, he made it clear. This is exactly what it is. This is the, the source of joy in life. Um, and I think kind of to that point, it, it's clear um, when you talk about, you know, so many threads, whether it's on Twitter, or on Reddit, people going like, uh, what was your favorite call? You get Kirk Gibson, you get Mookie Blaylock, uh, Dwight Clark and Steve Finley. But in equal measure, you get the beheaded snake by from Madison Bob Gartner, the history of beards. Uh, someone that posted an 80s call of, uh, I forget who was a, a trainer for the, I don't, uh, the, the oh, Blue Jays? Mouth to mouth with a dog? Yeah, CPR yes. to a dog. Yeah. <laughs> or um, Scott Vince likes getting matches to the cleat for the hot foot thing. Um, yeah. All this minutia that filled well, everyday emptiness. And this is what Joe Davis mentioned. This emptiness, these, uh, you know, so much of baseball is void. That's dictated by baseball, that's dictated by the game. It's nonsense. It's stuff that doesn't matter matter uh, it didn't matter to the end of the game uh, and yet uh, it was everything it was like that's what i like you were eager for these kind of quiet moments because ven was gonna was gonna was bring this just sort of life to you um and so that that's mostly what i want to say i do i'm gonna quote from uh the la times obituary because i think they hit this yep. they were talking yep. about they were enumerating some of the the bait the the great calls um and but then they said this is a quote um but perhaps the truest measure of the man's talent emerged in less glamorous moments as he carried listeners through the dog days of summer. Fans came to trust him when the team struggled, and he wasn't afraid to say so. After television took over, his broadcast retained a familiar tenor, belonging to a generation before instant replay. He still used his words to paint a picture. Every game included shots of children in the stands. Every at-bat, it seems, prompted a quip. Talking about an opposing player, and this is my favorite, Scully quote again. Scully once said, Andre Dawson has a bruised knee and is listed as day-to-day. Aren't we all? Aren't we? Yeah. And that was from uh, David I, Wharton, so bit sure. I think, and for me too, because I'm older, um, where I did watch or watch and listen to baseball um, mm-hmm, growing up, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and to the point where it just wasn't on TV. You know, like a third of the games, maybe. Yeah, right, right. And so it was a radio thing at, a lot of the time. And But also, I think you just sort of accepted that, right? It was an occasional TV treat instead of the incessant, like, every single day thing that it is now. Although you can still follow it. You just maybe are doing other stuff. But now it's more interactive. But um, it's just what struck me, like, uh, like MLB, I think Extra Innings was first, where it was, like, cable only and you could get every other announcer you know like which mm-hmm. was a revelation you're like oh my god look at all these games but then you go to other games and you're like 
wait, how come all these announcers are homers? <laughs> yes. You know? Exa- I, oh, my God. Yeah. He's like, this is Vince's fault. He's, Whenever he's, I listen to totally any other it. sport, yeah. any other sport, any other announcer, I'm like, this this is just not good. I don't get yeah. it. Like, where? Why, do you, why can't you do what Vince's doing? <laughs> right. Yeah, it was wild. So that that was like one of those. Oh my god, we man, we really do have a good. And I, I I think, and even for me, when it was in every on you know TV every single day, whether it was on KCAL or on Fox Sports or whatever, um, I you know I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get into baseball. Well, the Dodgers, you know, my childhood going up to Dodger Stadium, I'll be a Dodgers fan and I'll pay attention. I'm like, oh, this is great. What a you know cool stories. And then it wasn't until eventually you watch enough. Whether it's national games or other or other teams, the Angels broadcast, you're like, <laughs> just like this. <laughs> I don't I like. Uh, and then it's only when you, uh, you know, for me, the, for me, it was joining Dodger Todd's comment section. You realize, oh, this the, this Vin Scully guy is not just good; he's special. And then not just right. special, but the best. Like th- this came up a lot, uh, but like, how many in the realm of sports truly undisputed goats are there? It's like. Right, Gretzky. They, well, that, that I, 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 I sort of I, I hate the use of the word or use of go because it's used so often, and yeah. they don't. Nobody recognizes that the G stands for greatest, and not yeah. one, like one of the top guys, you know, or something like that. So, it, yeah, you're right. Like, yeah, Gretzky, like pretty clearly. Although, you know, people are. And like, again, when I say undisputed, I mean ninety nine percent of the yeah. people. You have well, Don Bradman in cricket. I don't know why, but uh, I've been told by enough people who cares. Oh, yeah, he was really special. And then, and but then, really, like in reading so many tweets and so many comments and threads uh, on Reddit, how many people are like, he's like, yeah, he's like, he's the best. Someone, I I, I don't have the usernames in front of me, but someone's like, uh, oh yeah, he's clearly on the Mount Rushmore of uh, sports announcers. And then someone replied to that saying, like, it's just four pictures of him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so Joe. we should mention this too. I, we, I think we've alluded to, but Sportsnet LA was absolutely wonderful, both post game um, Tuesday night for like two it, and it a half hours. It was interesting because um, uh, Brandon Belt, I think, hit a near home run right during the announcement, and Joe Davis, an impossible thing to do. Like, you have right. to call the game. Vin Scully would want you to call the game. He was very. Um, uh, adamant about that, and he did, and did a good job of of handling that, and then that point forward, just. Uh, just non like this is a uh, like I'm going to be bookmarking this broadcast and like rewatching it yeah uh, multiple times I'm looking forward to um M- Melissa my wife is not a um a big sports or baseball fan she she likes baseball a lot but I'm gonna like we're gonna sit down and listen to it and get her an idea of she knew I think when the she she was with me uh when the announcement happened and she immediately like hugged me and knew this meant a lot oh man but I'm looking forward to it for her really understanding why why it meant so much I'm gonna go back and listen to because I, I did miss maybe the first couple innings of that uh, because I was like busy um doing audio stuff and then like trying to get the post up but like um yeah, but so on Sports in LA, they, they had a bunch of interviews with like um, just everyone, you know, like after the game. And then they did another thing today with like other announcers, other other Dodgers and stuff. One just wonderful coverage, like it was beautiful. Um, but one of the things like you were talking about, how Vin's the goat. Um, Joe Buck is on there, right? Like, mm-hmm. and as much as people like to dog Joe Buck, he was he's been he's the number one like lead announcer for longer than anyone has ever been in in MLB history. <laughs> like he, he's clearly accomplished, but 
his dad also he 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 said like he's like look my dad broadcast for 50 years he's one of the most beloved broadcasters yep. ever i have no i have no problem saying Vince Cleese is the best <laughs> of all time i thought that was i mean and, and he's right it's not he's not like this isn't like he he's getting back at his dad or something right it's it's literally he's just he's just being honest like yep. vin is the uh, best and, to, to uh, be yeah. a little uh it's going to sound a little silly i realize but i wanted to give due diligence the mount rushmore comments were autographed snorkel and why did yes. i join this kudos why did i join this is a good co- username for for reddit why, but <laughs> why he joined this or why they joined this is uh to make that awesome to, to exactly this is, you you found it you found it and again that was a uh, Astros fan and a Mariners fan, and it just showed so, just like universality uh, of this. Back to like extra innings and then MLB TV. It, yeah, it made it, it it worked the other way too. In that now, like, there's so many people like in in the Midwest and East Coast, younger fans who like, um, if they're staying up late, they turn on a West Coast game and it's Vin. They're getting introduced to Vin for the first time. Yeah, yeah, and and like so he has the he's and he obviously spans generations. So like it sort of perpetuates itself, and like everyone's like, oh my god, this guy's great. And then and so he he sort of opened up to a whole new set of fans that way. And, and um, this was yeah. and this uh, one of the you know uh, I, there were a lot of sentiment on, on this. Uh, I think uh, of sort of like. Twitter has never been that. I think you, you said that Twitter has never been this good. Yes, yeah. Uh, and similar, similar. Ba- uh, the baseball subreddit has never been this good. Someone, Sean John Gra- God Ronahan, uh, said something sure. like, "Used to love when Sportsnet in Canada, you know, here's a Canadian baseball fan would show Dodgers game, and it was the wow. LA feed. Like, just imagine being someone like that who's like, oh yeah, like this is such a treat, and it's so." And again, for you and me growing up in L.A. where this is just what you got to hear every single This is what you uh, the other way around. The way we first kind of mentioned this is what you grew up on. Again, like you said, imagine the other way of getting the this is the special time you got to listen to Vin Scully. Right. And, and like the other thing, too, I, I was trying to think about this. So, <laughs> I mean, just how blessed are we? Right. Vin, Vin Scully, he announced for 67 years. That's not. That's not a thing that happens, right? Like that's that's absurd in its own right. Sixty-seven years of doing anything is is a lot, but being sixty-seven years and like for a very large portion being at the tip top of your profession is like wonderful. And then on a similar vein, like this is Jaime Harin's last year, his sixty-fourth year. Mm-hmm. Like how blessed are Dodgers fans to be able to listen to those two, just absolute titans of the sport? But like, um, so the, the point. For both of those, actually, but just talking about Vin here for a second, the man like called games with Jackie Robinson, and, and, and like you know the Boys of Summer and all that stuff, and he did and get he, to cast a spring training game in 1950, where Connie Mack, born in the 1800s, was the uh, manager. Uh, uh. <laughs> there there <laughs> was a game where Julio Arias pitched, born in 1996. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's. It's just it's it's incredible. But then, so you look at that. I was trying to think. I wasn't sure exactly how many games he announced. The they showed the plaque in the San Francisco press box that, and during his final weekend, which was on the road against the Giants, the in the Giants press box they have a, like a Vin Scully plaque or whatever. I, they renamed a section of it for him. Uh, but on that plaque, it was cool because like Willie Mays is like showing it to him and stuff. It, it's it's fun. But then on it, it says like nine thousand plus games, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a. It, I was thinking it was somewhere near there, right? 
and just think of that nine thousand games like that's so many it's 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 like if you were one of the um there's only i think there's like less than 10 or maybe around 10 players to ever play in 3000 games so like if you're the most durable player ever right if you're and but you have to do that three times to get to win <laughs> like uh that but then so but think of the the, the mental rolodex that he has of right. watching 9000 games it's like it's you know I, I i it's i don't know how exactly to put this but like he's it, that's like better than any computer can do no matter how fast the computer is because yeah. there's no way a computer has that that much to process like you know or like just the ability to like how can you he's a direct connect with like jackie robinson and what yasiel Puig, right like just the like it's, it's insane like the amount of baseball he's seen and what we talked about earlier he's he's still like you could watch all those games and be like, seen it, you know, like it was way better when I first started broadcasting or so. He was never like that. He was, he always found something interesting. He always found something to, uh, like he, he just, he found the joy in it. Right. Like, and that, and that really shone through on like all of his broadcasts really. And that, that's, that's what made him so sort of special. I don't know that that's, it was amazing. Do you have any uh, the, the favorite calls? It's it's so hard. Again, there's so many. There's so many small ones, so many big ones. So yeah, I was thinking about this. I I there's so, uh, I mean the the it, it's never. I don't think anything's ever going to top the Kirk Gibson home run. Just cause I think that year was amazing for me, like just as a fan, and that moment was so special, right? Like, and so that that's one thing, but like. I don't know. It's hard. He was so prevalent, like around. So he was the NBC lead guy, and they alternated years in the World Series. But he had like the, um, the like the the Buckner play, '86 mm. uh, World Series is him. That's like right up. That's like as good as any of his calls. And just the he went like up an octave. Like he he emphasized the right things. Um, but and uh, the, he called the Dwight Clark catch uh, in the '81 NFC Championship game between the Niners and the Cowboys. Like it's it's ridiculous. I was listening back to that today because uh, it's been shared a few times. I'm going to link to a thread. I, I put up together a thread of like a bunch of video clips, but um, just he just adds stuff to it. Like so, at the end of the Dwight Clark catch, where he he's like jumps like a thousand feet to catch it uh, in the back of the end zone. Um, that Joe Montana was basically throwing it away, and uh, it was a touchdown to win the game, go to the Super Bowl. But at the end of the play, it's just pandemonium at Candlestick, and and Vin goes, uh, Dwight Clark is six four, but he's ten feet tall in this crowd's estimation. Like, it's just <laughs> how do you do that, right? Like immediately after that kind of a play, like that, that's amazing. But so, but for me, as good as the calls are, right? He, Vin's specialty was also um, just knowing exactly when to not talk. Mm-hmm. Um, so I looked back. So the, the Gibson home run, he's he's silent after he says uh, she is gone for sixty seven seconds, uh, and then and then not not only that. So he's letting you the crowds and you soak in the moment completely. And then when he comes back, that's when he delivers in a year that has been so improbable. The impossible has happened, <laughs> and it's it's impossible to get the exact inflection that he got. The perfect and it's just it hit so hard and like. I, I can't remember if it 
if it happened, man, I want to say, I don't think this is true, but in my head, so there's a point during the celebration there where um, Tracy Woodson was like a pinch hitter on that team in 88. Big dude. Um, he bear hugged Kirk Gibson, and I and it was like the hardest bear hug I've ever seen. Like it probably would have crushed a normal human, uh, that sort of a thing. And to me, it, I, I see the Tracy Woodson bear hug as soon as Vin, uh, Vin says, the impossible has happened. And then, like, that's the crescendo of that, like, to me. I don't, I don't think the timing works out, but that's how I see it in my head. And then, uh, again, that Game 6 of the 86 World Series, after he, first of all, behind the bag! Like, that, like that's incredible. And then, uh, here comes Knight and the Mets win it! And he just, he, the way he goes up, and then after he says that, a minute 47 of nothing. <laughs> like, that's amazing. Like, and then, and then he comes back. Uh, I think uh, he was on radio for the 91 World Series, the Twins uh, Braves that went into 10 innings in game seven. Gene Larkin, bases loaded. Um, uh, it was the pop fly single that even if it was caught, it would have been a sack fly to win the game. And um, Vince Gulley called it. And then the the clip like cuts off, but he's silent for at least 30 seconds after the call. So like, he's just doing it again. Like he knows exactly when. And so I, I went back and looked at this. Um, I think this was from an interview in 2016. I didn't in the post, I didn't put exactly when it was from, I'm pretty sure it was from 2016. Like it, during those final, um, uh, during his final months on the job, he said, uh, quote, when I got into broadcasting, I was again captivated by the roar of the crowd. So what I've tried to do ever since the beginning was to call the play as accurately and as quickly as possible, then sit back and revel in the roar of the crowd. And for that brief few seconds, I was eight years old again, I guess. I mean, and that, how, like, that's, how can you not love that, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's, I think you, I mean, for me, right? Like, I mean, he's, he, I mean, he's almost, he's almost literally older than, like, everyone who's listened to him, right? There's, there aren't, like, many people older than Vince Scully around, but like he's he was he really did seem like um like a father a grandfather an uncle or wh- whatever like just uh sort of like teaching um you the eight year old like at heart basically listening to him and like I guess that's what you you sort of go back to um yeah like th- those are the ones that sort of come to mind immediately <laughs> if that that's the longest answer possible to that question so it's sort of retrospective for me was um obviously especially the last the excuse me the ninth inning of Kovacs's perfect game there's so much much but specifically 29,000 people in the ballpark and a million butterflies uh when before I got burnt out on writing uh, a million butterflies was going to be the name of sort of my personal writing blog that's how uh, gorgeous of a, a turn of phrase I think that is um but in contemporary stance I've got a big call and then a silly call the silly call it was from a game on in 2012 i think uh where he tries to get uh aj ellis trending on twitter and mm-hmm. it's just really really good really saw there's this whoa where he he's <laughs> sort of taking in he's like he doesn't know what it means and he admit, admits to it as such um but but lo and behold does it you know nancy's at the at the help with the help of nancy Stroud on twitter gets aj ellis i think number two nationally trending um and it just comes sort of again the lightheartedness that i really really appreciate and the the i definitely had listened to Vin 
prior to 2004 because I, re- I remember Eric Gagne moments and, and, and yeah. stuff like that. But the, the, the sort of signature call that I, I recall hearing live when it happened was Steve Finley's Grand Slam. And I it just oh. it, it's off the bat. And I remember thinking, oh, that's a Grand Slam. And then I'm thinking it doesn't have to be a Grand Slam. And at that yeah. moment, Vince says, and it, no matter where it lands. Yeah, uh, I was going to say that's what stuck out to me. Is like it, What's funny about that, like on moments like that, right? Um you, I don't always hear like for the '88 World Series. I didn't hear his call at first because, like, as soon as Gibson hit it, twelve-year-old me just immediately started jumping up and down. And then it wasn't until afterward that I realized what how he called it. So like, um, but yeah, like so uh, you know what's funny? Uh, I was thinking about that. So the 2014 or 2004 Finley game, I was visiting my cousin Alex who lived in Seattle at the time, and uh, up there they had. Angels A's, I think, um, as the Fox game. So we didn't get the Dodgers Giants game. So I, I forgot who I, um, I didn't have like uh, MLB audio or whatever at the time. So I, I was, I was on the phone with someone getting updates. I don't, I think uh, during that game. So that's how I found out that C. Finley Homer. Oh, the the other annoying thing is I think the the A's beat the Angels, uh, I believe, to win this. They were tied going into the weekend. So they beat them for a second straight day to win the division. And then I think Fox wouldn't cut away to go to the end of the Dodgers-Giants game. So I was getting, like, the most, like, analog, like, over-the-phone, like, updates of that. So I didn't fully appreciate it as it happened. But I heard, I obviously saw it later. But, yeah, that, so that's no, kind and of No, and this is – and, uh, and uh, you know, you had plenty of moments like this, I'm sure. But this was the first one where – yeah. I was following on every single pitch mm-hmm. and just all the sort of little nuances that were going on. I don't want to get too many details because I may have a surprise for you later, but oh. uh, really just a fantastic moment that just just opened it up, opened up how how magical getting to listen to Vince Scully call a baseball game could be. Yeah. Um, and the other, I, I, we already mentioned this earlier about the Eric Gagne change of just just his reactions to stuff was like you said you he never he always allowed himself to like be surprised right like mm-hmm. that's yeah that's that's the beauty of it um, I have um, I have a couple uh, Vince Scully fun facts that I think are amazing uh, that I wanted to share uh, before we get into other stuff but like so uh, Vince Scully um, was the Ford Frick Award winner in 1982. Um, after his 33rd season uh, of calling the games. So he actually was a Hall of... Or he was an announcer um, for more years after he was a Hall of Famer than before. <laughs> 34 years to 33. And I think that's ridiculous. Like, that's... Yeah. So, uh, and then the other thing that sort of blew me away, just given the timing, that literally on the same day that Juan Soto was traded, uh, Vince Scully dies, and... When Vin called his first game, April 18th, 1950, he was 22 years old, younger than Juan Soto is right now. <laughs> like, what in the heck? Like, that's insane. Um, okay, so another great call. I didn't I didn't hear the call because I was at the game. One of the great moments because, oh, okay, so Vin Scully's last home game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it, it was a, He did go to the, the Giants series to end the season, and that, so those were his last three games total. But his last home game, um, Dodgers were home. So that Sunday, all the Dodgers players go out and um, 
before, like as they go to the uh, into the batter's box, they step out, tip their cap up to the press box, and I think it took like two or three batters for like been to notice or something, and then he once everyone started notice, it was awesome. Like it, it, he just really soaked it in. But then, so that game, the Dodgers came back. Uh, Corey Seager hit a game tying home run in the ninth, a rookie at that time, um, and then in the tenth, um, Charlie Culberson. Um, you know, utility man, yep. not the guy you'd expect. No, but I, I remember the, this explicitly because I was listening, uh, I think, right around the time Seager tied it. And I remember thinking, okay, if the Dodgers come back and win this, say off a walk-off yeah. home run, and it's Vin Scully's last home game. Oh, my God. Who do I Who do I think makes the most sense from a narrative <laughs> perspective? And my first thought was, oh, a Corey Seager, rookie. Sure. Uh, possibly, you know, it ended up happening. But, uh, he was like, he, he was face of the franchise kind of yeah. guy. And I'm like, yeah. no, that's that's too kind of on the nose. It doesn't encompass the sort of silliness that and lightheartedness that, that Vin could encompass. And I'm like, no, it's got to be like a banjo hitter. And I'm like, Charlie Culberson, there you go. Charlie Culberson, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so that was great because um, – uh, so Vince call call was great. So in the tenth inning, Culberson hits the home run. Uh, I, I have it in my uh, my thread of um, clips. But um, Vince call Vince call again. The, you could hear the wonder in his voice. Would you believe a home run? <laughs> and, and the Dodgers have clinched the clinched the division and will celebrate on schedule. Because like, the main oh, thing was yeah. is the Giants were on the verge of losing. And if the Giants had just lost, the Dodgers also would have clinched. Right. But that's not how, and they did. They so did. You, Giants ended up losing. I think like a minute later. Yeah. Uh, you want to? But no, the Giants. Yeah. The, the excuse me. The Dodgers won just in the nick of time to have it uh, be the more celebratory way to, to clinch a division. Oh, so the the other thing about that, just before I get into the, what I was talking about on the on the Culberson thing, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, that another great thing about Vin is like uh, I think other people have said this, where he has some mystical power because he always knew he always finished a story or he like wove in stories perfectly with play by play, and then like no like let's say he had a long story to tell and there's like two strikes and two outs in the inning. Oh, that inning's going like until, until he's done with that story. Cause uh, you, you know, it's just great. So like he, he just the, he was always like in perfect cadence with, with baseball, like with the baseball. Right. And so that was another great thing about him. But back to the, the Culberson game, uh, I formed this into a trivia question for you. Sure. Um, they beat the Rockies that day. Uh, I will give you a bonus because it's, it's, it could be a two prong question, but, so four three was the final. Uh-huh. Uh, you could, I will say my my question original question is which pitcher started that game for Colorado? Okay. I would also accept who gave up the, the home run. Okay. Uh, but but yeah, I'll uh, I'll see if I can figure that. But before we go to our, oh. our mid break, I have a bonus trivia question for you. Oh God. Okay. All right. I, see, so, I can see it, and I'm, uh, I'm yeah. So uh, <laughs> so uh, my the, my call uh, the Steve Venley call. Um, yeah. I was thinking about this, and I was I asked myself, and I would have failed. By the way, thinking like who? It was a grand slam, so the bases were loaded. I think one out. Um, and I'm like, I don't remember everyone that was on the bases, so I don't know everyone yep. that scored off that that home run. Uh, I'm wondering if you do or how many you can name. So we'll, I'm, uh, I'm 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 confident in one. Okay, I, I'm gonna uh, guess on the other. I'm <laughs> curious how confident you are. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about this. Um, uh, what better than uh, have a little joy of baseball um, in honor of Ben after this? All right. So who's gonna go first? 
Oh, uh, speaking of which, speaking of great Vin Scully calls, uh, uh, who on first? first. <laughs> yeah. um, so here, I'll, I'll try first. Um, okay. So I'm, I thought in my, I don't even know if this is correct, but I, I thought for sure he stopped Choi had a key walk in that game. So he was one of the people. I will let you know, I was really hoping that was the name you were confident in because he stopped Choi did not score on that ah, grand slam. Okay. Did he score earlier in the inning? I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> okay. Okay. So if it's Finley, uh, I'm just going to so say. So Finley's one. There you go. Yeah, Believe it or not. Hey, I mean, it's happened. But another no. great man. This keeps happening. A great Vin Scully moment was when um, Benji Molina hit a oh, grand slam yeah. and it was reviewed uh, because uh, it was initially called a single. Uh, and so that he got pinch ran for. I forget by who. And uh, and then the, the then the umpires, which by the at that time it was right right a week or two after um, replay was a thing, could only be called by the umps. So the umps called it, determined it was actually hit above the line or whatever. So it was a home run. So Benji goes out to to run the bases, and umpires <laughs> like, no, no, he he got been trained for. And then I don't remember the exact call, which is like, how do you hit a home run and not and score not a run? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, but in this case, Steve Finley did not get pinch ran for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> walk off. Uh, so Steve Finley's won. Any other guesses? Okay, so uh, I'm having re- so I I'm trying to figure out. He hit a like, I want to say like 36 home runs that year total. He was a trade deadline pickup. So I I can't remember if if he was if they were batting him like fifth at this point or like first or second, right? So like. So I'm gonna I'm I'm just gonna third, guess third third by the he way. Was, oh God, okay. <laughs> so if it's if it's if it's oh four, let's just go with. Um, don't I like where don't your head's at. I think you'll get. I think you'll by thinking of the batting order. I think you'll get one name. So don't tell me I'm if not? I'm wrong until I guess three. Okay, you got it. Um, so I'm just gonna go with Cesaris Torres. Um. Oof. Uh oh my god. Um Jason Worth and Alex Cora. Whew. So it's Turris and Worth are correct, and I I'm just gonna let you know now. Uh it the per, batter who reached and then uh which caused the score was Hesop Choi, but he was pinch ran for. Oh uh, wait, oh okay, so oh man, who was on that team? Uh oh Dave Roberts? No, no, the later. Uh, no, oh, he, he yeah, was right. He was, he was yeah. in Boston. He's about to do Henry, some, some, Henry some stuff. Henry Stanley. <laughs> no. Oh, wait, he's crazy, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh goodness. Uh, no, as soon uh, as I saw that he's up Troy, because that's what I like when I thought right. of this, asking myself, I'm like, oh, he's up Troy. He was the one name I knew. Yeah, I it was a bases like, loaded walk. He had the first he, to, to tie the game, right? Yeah, like, uh, yeah. to score the. F- first run i think okay all right got it um yeah. but yeah i remember and i'm like he got pinch ran more i'm like oh this is a great trivia question <laughs> so now now i'm trying to um so they pinch ran for he's up choice so uh, they didn't have they didn't have jason phillips to low five <laughs> um so oh man um i mean he would have the other guy i was thinking about would have already been starting um Oh four. Um, oh boy. Um, <laughs> um, let's say. 
why can't I think of this? This is sad. Um, <laughs> um, nope. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm looking up said player's um, baseball reference. He had four uh, major league uh, uh, years. Two were with L.A. One was yeah. with Tampa Bay, and then one was with uh, uh, Oakland. His year with Oakland, he had an OPS plus of two. <laughs> and I'm having nine a, plate appearances. So I'm having a hard time remembering the the <laughs> other the other people like the the down guys on that team. Um, OPS of three eighty nine. <laughs> good lord. Um, can you give me a position? Um, that give it away. I'm trying to. I, I want to double check that my memory is correct. Uh, t- t- uh, yeah, mix Inch of runner. third and second. Third and second. Um, I remember oh. him more as second baseman, but I think it looks like it is about an even. Is sport. it? Um, oh, who's the guy? Oh, what? Nope. He did, he played more than four years. Um, I'm stumped. I don't know. Antonio Perez. Oh, traded with <laughs> with Milton Bradley to get under ETH here. Oh, angry. Uh, okay, so think about it. So to that back to yours, uh, 2016 Rockies. Do you have? Was it uh, Anderson? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what a jerk! He's just, just showing who, me who, up. Uh, who gave up the uh, the other thing? Uh, real quick on the Finley uh, that I appreciate is that uh, Dustin Hermanson started that inning for the for the Giants, um, oh. but then it was, it's like I'm so used to the three runner rule, uh, three batter rule now that it went from so he gave up the bases loaded walk, he's up choice, and then it went Jason Christensen, Matt Hurgis, Wayne Franklin, back to back to back batters. I'm like, ugh, just thinking of the. That speaking of downtime, yet you have to fill with wonderful stories from Vin Scully. All those pitcher changes, <laughs> four in Can a you row. Imagine <laughs> um, that was Tyler Anderson's 19th start. He had a 3.54 ERA with the Rockies in his rookie year. Amazing. Um, oh. <laughs> that guy's pretty good. The Dodgers should get him. Yeah, six years later. Um, so, okay, so you got yeah Tyler Anderson. He started um, the other. There were some. There are some classic Rockies names. Uh, mm-hmm. There were four pitchers total. Um, you have an idea? The uh, De La Rosa. No, okay. um, it was. Uh, I'm going to check for sure. This pitcher who gave it up the home run was a left-hander. Uh, the pitcher that gave up the Seager home run in the ninth inning uh, was a uh, a right-hander and is still pitching. Nope, nope. Wait, I'm, not, I'm tapping out. Tapping out. My brain won't Hold work. On, I, I'm double checking. He is <laughs> okay. still pitching. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so hey, I'll just give you the pitchers in order. I got the I got the up. actual answer right. No, I'm, you, I'm you nailed I'm it. Going yeah. off on a high. <laughs> I was gonna, my original question was going to be who gave who who he gave it up. Then I looked at wait Tyler Anderson started again. This is awesome. Um, so uh, Chris Russin uh, mm-hmm. uh, followed. Anderson went six and a third. He only gave up two. Is good. Um, Adam Ottavino. Uh, Came in, and then uh, Boone Logan uh, gave up the home run to Charlie Culberson. So okay. we would have yeah. been here a while if I were to guess those names. <laughs> yeah, God, what a great pair of questions! That was good. 
Well, uh, in the, the spirit of, of the joy of baseball, uh, the segment that brings me the most joy, it's time for. Questions from Craig. The Dodgers will be starting their final third of the season next week. Here are some trivia questions about Dodger leaders in that final third uh, of the season. You ready? Yeah. I, I apparently am not. I had I had the answer sheet up and it went uh, away. So I'm going to pull that up real quick. That means that means anything I say is right. That's right. Unlike Vin Scully, who was That's always right. prepared, always super prepared. prepared I am yeah. not prepared. I, I saw. I got to see uh, his like notebook a few times. Like how his was little, that? Like, it was amazing. Like it's just <laughs> there's just so much stuff. Like and it was all printed out. You know, yeah. like it's just it's just so so much information. It's amazing. Like the man was prepared. Say that. Five LA Dodgers since Dodger Stadium opened in 1962 have hit 16 or more home runs in the final <sighs> third. Can Eric name them? Hint. All of them did it in the uh, wild card slash Jacob era. Bonus yeah. if you can give the player and the year. So you're looking for five names. Yeah. Um, okay. So. And Adrian I will co- Belt- confirm it as five unique names Adrian Beltre 04. Uh, with 18 home runs. Cody Bellinger, 19? Uh, no. How about Cody Bellinger, 19? Oh, no. Uh, um, he did see. so much damage in that first third, so that makes sense to me. Oh, yeah. Okay, what... I'm gonna... I'm gonna... go. Cody Bellinger, 17. Uh, no. Okay. That would have been amazing. Um, so... Um, Gary Sheffield, 2000. You got the name right. Oh, one. Go the other way. How about 99? <laughs> there you go. 16 home runs. Okay. Um, in the final third. Okay. So strong September. Okay. So how about uh, Piazza 97? Uh, number three on this list with 18, tied with Adrian Beltre. Uh, Eric Karras, 95. Nope, not on the not in my top eleven that I have in front of me. Okay, so I'm I'm missing two. Uh, you are missing two. Number uh, one and number four. One. Okay. Both of which I uh, you you should get just to make you feel bad if you don't get it. Both very uh, key. Sure. Um, okay, so I already feel bad. Just so you know, uh, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, the thing the thing about okay, um, I, let's go. Uh, let's just go with um, Sean Green. O two. Uh, got the player right. O three then. And go the other way. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Wait. Wait. Okay. How, okay. O one then. I guess. Yeah. Yep. How many home runs did he have in O one? That was forty uh, two. In the full, uh, last thirty, he had nineteen. <laughs> did, so. Okay, so 2003 was his 49 double season. So maybe that's the He had 49 home runs in 2001 total. Really? Yeah. Okay, cuz so 2002 he only had only had 42. <laughs> but that that was that was the year that I was thinking of because he had like he was slumping so bad going into like the couple days before the four home run game and then he had seven in three days and like 10 in six days or whatever and then just went nuts but like for some reason, I didn't. Rem- I thought that was his forty-nine homer season, but I guess not. Um, My uh, th- hint to you for the last name yeah. is going to be a reminder that the back third, the last third of a season, 
correlates pretty close to the trade deadline. Oh, oh yeah. Then the, yeah, this was obvious. It was, it was Manny Ramirez. Yeah. There you go. Two thousand eight. Seventeen. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, five yeah. LA Dodgers since nineteen sixty two have accrued seventy five or more hits in the final third of the season. <laughs> Please name these hit collectors. Oh, hint, um, hint, hint. Only one did it in the Jacob Wildcard era. Yeah. Uh, it's only, oh, there's five of them. Okay. Um, so Maury Wills, nineteen sixty two. Uh, no, he only had, he had seventy four. <laughs> uh, Tommy Davis, sixty two. Uh, yes, yeah, seventy six. Okay, I, I think I mixed in my head. For some reason, I thought for a second Maury Wills had the two hundred and thirty hits, but it was Tommy Davis who had the two thirty. But <laughs> stupid Maury Wills. Okay, um, <laughs> oh, let's 74. okay. Let's okay. So because are you going to start reviewing tape to see if there was an error in there that you could argue? Yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs> Find the official score from uh, an August game in 1962. And, hey, uh, his speed would have beat this out. No. Um, okay, so it's, I'm going Steve Garvey. Now I just have to find the year. Um, so I'll let you know Steve Garvey's on the list. 77. Mm, close. Okay. <laughs> got it, 78. Be. There you go. You got to you got to write that time. Okay. Um, 77 hits. Uh, the problem with like I'm trying to so it's really hard. Um, I'm okay. I'm going off board here a little bit. Um, Steve Sachs, eighty six. Bingo leads the pack with seventy eight hits. Okay, um, he hit, I believe he hit three thirty two that year. Tim Raines at three thirty four. Um, uh, going back to the well because I believe this was his two hundred hit season. Mike Piazza, ninety seven. Uh, no. Yeah. yeah uh, on the list, but only had 72. Well, that's why they traded them. Um, so <laughs> I'm missing two? Uh, you are missing three. two. Okay. Two. Uh, 200 hits. Uh, oh, okay, wait. Let me think about this. No, not 275 hits is what I'm thinking of. Um, so last year, a certain someone, but he only played, oh boy, Trey Turner 21? No. Freddie Freeman, 2022. I'm calling my shot. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's. So don't. By the way, I always forget that the the season in third post is coming up, and the 108th game is Sunday. So I'm dreading having to write that post and or come up with the stats to write that post for for Monday. But anyway, um, I'm stalling. Um, 200 hits. Uh, since 62 um, what about Willie Davis 71 uh, Willie Davis is on the list 72 mm, no 69 yeah that was his hit streak here um, should have went with that first um so we have Steve so, Sachs, Steve Garvey, Tommy Davis, and Willie Davis. You're missing a name, though. And also, you may have not said Tommy Davis. <laughs> I got I, like, what Davis did you already say? No, I did. Yeah, yeah. Okay, just make no, sure. I did. Because like, I, like, I guess Maury Wills first, and then I realized, oh, wait, it was Tommy yeah, okay. Davis. Um, um, so, so you're missing what number about five, who had uh, 75 exactly, just like Willie Davis did. Pedro Guerrero, 87. I will remind you, you have not named the Jacob Era player yet. But I will oh. also note this is loose, loosely. This is early Jacob Arrow. Sure. 
Maybe it was uh, in the 90s, we'll say. Uh, I don't think you're going to get the name, by the way. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, well, now that's a challenge. I mean, I, I, um, know the pl- I do know the player, just like not... not but like, I, let me put it this way. I don't think oh, this player... Okay. okay, okay, go uh, ahead. All right, hold on. Um, it's... Um, I'm trying to... So... Huh. Mark Grezelonic, 97. Got the 98. player. Keep going. Is it 99? Yep. Wow. Okay. Uh, I, my I my hit was going to be the... I don't think this player has ever been the answer to a trivia question ever on the questions had, from Greg. Segment. Actually, I got to think... We, I don't think... We haven't done him on a Dodger Rewind either. We, not so, yet. Speaking of Vince Scully, like, he... You know, he kind of used to say his name as Grasalonic, which is which is fun. But, like, uh, also a fun baseball thing. Grezelonic, um, I can spell that till my dying day. Um, uh <laughs> because of baseball same thing with Doug Mankiewicz like it just it, and it took me a while to spell Yastrzemski I didn't grow up watching Carl uh but like writing lineups with Mike Yastrzemski in it like I have Yastrzemski down now it took a while to get there but like yeah baseball names are cool anyway seven names a Dodger has stolen 20 or more bases in the final third of the season can you name the five players who have been such successful thief in those seasons and again only uh, one was done in the uh the uh, the cool Jacob Wildcard era. Um, oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Davy Lope seventy five. Uh, yes, with uh, thirty three stolen bases. Um, the okay, and then I will let you know I, that it's seven times five different players. Okay, so so let's say uh, <laughs> Maury Wills. Like sixty-two, yep. three and five. Uh, oh, uh, so no. Maury Wills is on here twice. Uh, sixty-two okay. and sixty-five. All Forty-eight right. stolen bases in sixty-two and twenty-one <laughs> and sixty-five. <laughs> Forty-eight. Um, okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's so ridiculous. Um, uh, okay, and then uh, <laughs> um, twenty or more steals. So, oh boy. Um, Steve Sachs, 82? Uh, Steve Sachs is on here, but it's not 82. Okay. It's close to 82. Oh, 83? Yep, 83 with 21 stolen bases. I forgot which. He had like a 51 steal year, I want to say. So you're missing two players in three seasons. And then, oh boy. um, 20 or more in the final third note. So he didn't steal it that many. Uh Oh. Um, just thinking here. Lost uh, my network. There's connection. only one in the Jacob era. Because I, 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 I was going to guess two. Oh, but so, four. okay, I'll, I'll start now with. I'll go with the, the first guess. Juan Pierre 07. Huh. The, the, the uh, fates were so sure you wouldn't get the final uh, <laughs> stolen base seasons. They cut off my internet so you wouldn't have to answer. Um. So I, I'm missing one 20 steel person. In the you are third. missing. Uh, you've got oh. uh, Maury Wills. You're missing two. Okay. Yeah. I you're got Maury two, Wills. Two players uh, in three seasons. Okay. So. Oh, wow. Um, hmm. Um, oh, boy. Oh, okay. Um. Uh, Eric Young, 93. Mm-mm. 
Um, <laughs> uh, I'm angry. Um, Roger Cedeno, 97. Nope. One more shot. Is it? Um, you, if you miss, that's that. Yep. Um, uh, side note, uh, the Dodgers should bring in Evan Phillips anytime they have bases loaded. nobody out. Um, so, uh, I, I'm having a hard time, like, grasping this. Um, oh, okay, so you already said Juan Pierre wasn't, so I'm going to go back to the um, uh, no, D. No, Gordon no. 2014. The, the, I, I never denied Juan Pierre. I guessed Juan Pierre. Oh, um, seven. You're right. I think that's when the internet went out. Oh, oh, no, that makes sense. That would make sense. I was like, I don't remember yeah. hearing that. You, <laughs> yeah, I was like, Juan Pierre, oh, seven, and I looked, and you had you were like, with, with your, yeah, <laughs> no. and then I'm like, you're not responding. That's a, that's a good bit. And then I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no, he's, he's gone. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Juan Pierre, oh, seven. Good job. So, you're missing nice. one player. <laughs> okay, two so. Two seasons. Yeah. Uh, oh, two seasons. Okay. Yeah. Um, two seasons. Um uh, Brett Butler, ninety-two, ninety-three. Nope. So that's that's yeah. your yeah, final that's, strike. That's no, you yeah. missed a Davy Lopes season. Uh, seventy-six. He had oh. twenty-eight steals. Uh, okay, I I I I I'd written him off because I'd already guessed him. So and with yeah. twenty on the dot, Mariano Duncan with twenty stolen bases. Eighty and eighty-five. Eighty-five. Oh, so bad. Okay. Last. Question, trivia question. Freddie Freeman is trying to become the first L.A. Dodger to collect 50 or more doubles in a season. Going into Wednesday's game, Freeman needs 14 more to reach 50 doubles. Can Eric name the seven Dodgers who have doubled up 17 or more times in the last 54 games of the season? Hint. Okay. All but one did in the Jacob era, and five did it since 2009. Okay, so Sean Green 03. Um, sorry. Uh, uh, no, you're a liar. Um, uh, Corey Seager, eighteen. Uh, oh no, Corey Seager, nineteen. Seager. Yes, there you go. Yeah. Um. Um. Oh boy. Um. Let's say. Um. Uh, Adrian Gonzalez, fifteen. Nope. Um, 17 doubles. Um, Andre Ethier, 2010. Uh, Andre Ethier, 2009. 17 right. doubles. Um, so what am I missing? I'm still missing four. Uh, that uh, sounds about right. <laughs> and only one of them is, is older, right? That's what you're, that's what you're Correct. About. Correct. Okay. Um, so... I'm okay. This is again where I'm. I'm. I'm having trouble. Oh, okay. Manny Ramirez. No. Nope. Oh, oh wait. Nope. Okay. Nope. 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 Um, Hitting too many dinners. Make that. Yeah. Happen. Yeah. That's right. Um, I don't remember. Okay. What about? Mm, oh dang. Um, I'm going off board here. Eric Carlos, ninety nine. Mm, nope. Ninety five. No. Oh. No. No. Eric Carlos. Okay. Um, so you have back, Andre Ethier, you have yeah. Corey Seager, and you have uh, Matt Kemp, twenty eleven. Uh, I guess that's my final guess. No, there is a twenty eleven player on here. Oh, oh, um, wait, really? Um, <laughs> uh, and and it's not Ethier or Kemp. Um, Correct. Is, no, it couldn't be um, that. Um, 
he didn't hit a ton of doubles. Uh, going through the lineup. Oh, speak. Okay, another Vince Scully story. Um, 2011. <laughs> so back in his last, you know, few years, it was like it was like a, a year-to-year thing that whether Vin would come back. Right, right. And he usually announced it around like August in some point. And um, so he, he announced it on like August, early August in 2010 that he was coming back for 2011. The news broke like Sunday morning. So there was a press conference like impromptu, like just in the press box at Dodger Stadium, like the morning before the game. And literally that morning, the Dodgers claimed Rod Barajas off waivers. And then he ended up like being there for like a, a couple years. And, uh, <laughs> Um, Vin Scully, like during the press conference, uh, another one of those surreal moments, again, this is 2010. So like my second year total covering any games. So you're talking, I'm, I'm maybe, maybe this is like, I have covered maybe 25 games to this point, maybe. And, uh, so I'm still a relative noob. So it was a a real treat to just be there for this. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. then during the thing, Vin Scully was like, well, now that they have Rod Brahas, that was the clincher, <laughs> like during the press conference. So I thought that was funny. Uh, but no, Rod Brahas is not my guess, uh, but he, he was there in 2011. That was the point um, <laughs> of that story. Um, so 2011. Oh, okay. Then it's uh, James Loney 2011. There you go. Um, so I'm going to give you years. Uh, yeah, do it. 2018. I'm, I'm, 1996. 1986, 2021. 86 is Steve Sachs. Yep. Um, I didn't think he... Okay, I'm trying to think. Um, 96, Raul Mondesi? There you go. 18. Uh, okay, 18. Um, and I already guessed a certain player who didn't get it. So, 18... What was happening in 2018? Um, I have a big <laughs> hint if you brick on this. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Don't, no, not yet. Not, not yet. yet. I'm going to give you one. Um, okay. Um, so I'm um, I'm just thinking here. Oh, okay. So no, I already – did I already guess a player? No, I did guess a player. Um, um, uh, Jock Peterson. Nope. I'm going to give you one more guess, then I'm dropping my big hint where you'll get it instantly. What, what is it? 18 and 21 am I missing? Yep. Uh, 21. Who had 17 doubles? Okay. I don't think he had 17 doubles. Um, who had a strong finish to last year besides a certain person I'm thinking of? Um, <laughs> Trey Turner? Trey Turner in 2021. 17. So I'm only, so I'm only missing the 2018 person. Correct. Um, let me just, let me, I'm cycling through the Rolodex here of, of, uh, potential people. Um, uh, oh, okay. So 18. What about Max Muncy? No. All right. Give it to me. Justin Turner. All right. 20, 23 doubles. (laughs) Really? What a good Lord. (laughs) Unreal. Yeah. All righty. All righty. Well done. You did good. I'm yeah, proud of you. We all lost a friend when it was announced Vin Scully had passed away. Eric, what was it like when you realized that your office was the Vin Scully press box? And any memories of that last season in 2016? Um, the the ceremony, uh, like the the final day, there like I was crying a lot. Like during that, there was the interviews too. Like over the final weekend, and like 
that was just amazing just to sort of watch all that happen. Um, I will say from a, from a day-to-day thing, to this day, every, not every single time, but just about every single time, when you walk in the little hallway to get into the press box, um, and there's, it says Vince Cully press box, I, um, and I hate to use this as an example because I don't like Notre Dame, but I, I reach my hand up and touch the above the, the door jam. And like, that's sort of my homage, like as I'm walking in. Um, although, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I do, you could feel it when you're in there, right? Like the, there's pictures of Vin like lining the, the wall uh, coming in. So I, you, you find yourself just sort of staring and watching and looking at those sometimes. So yeah, his presence is certainly, certainly felt in there. It's pretty cool. And for Jacob, I know you moved to Kansas about 10 or so years ago. When you had the chance to catch a Dodger game, did hearing Vin bring you back home to Southern California? Um, no, uh, because I actually got to watch as much, if not more, because of blackout yeah. restrictions um, yeah. when I moved out here. So it was, it still was a, it brought me back home, but not in a sort of missing way. I got to like, in a, it specifically didn't bring back if anything the one thing it would do in terms of southern california made me miss dodger stadium a little bit but mm-hmm. maori was a it was a connective bit to to it was a joy it was a joy i got it brought with me kind of thing it was a piece yeah. of home uh it got a i got a brand in so in a way yes in a way no um so yeah with the trade deadline coming on, appears any more changes to the bullpen will have to be found within the Dodger organization. You both see, or weird off 40 man trades. <laughs> that was for me. Do you both see some more mixing and matching of roles and perhaps a number of pitchers closing games for the rest of the season? Uh, I, I only think you'll see other people closing games because when they, when like <laughs> Kimbrel pitches like two, you know, or whatever, like, or, or has like a blow up outing and then, He's off for two days or whatever, or something like that. But no, I, I mean it's Kimbrel's job till it's not. And we, you know, we've seen this. We, we went through this with like four years of Kenley, like or whatever, in the last three or four. Um, you, you could see like Evan Phillips sort of taking over if they if they get to a point where they're just like, all right, Craig, we're not we're not doing this. But like, I don't think they're anywhere close to that point right now. But I do think they they are, they're pretty comfortable with. Uh, giving ample rest when needed and, and mixing in guys. Uh, so, like, there'll be days where Kimbrell might not be be available for a day or two, and then they're no. perfectly comfortable with, like, Phillips and Yancey Almonte closing. I, right. I, the one thing I don't see is, like, um, it's less likely now that now that we're in August, given the timing, like, it's probably too late to bring up someone like um, like Bobby Miller, you know, or I guess Ryan Pepe, who's already started. And then make that transition to relief, and then expect them to be someone you're going to use in October. That, that's a far stretch at this point. Now, the one person you you could see that, like, so Dustin May uh, pitched on uh, Wednesday night, uh, four innings for Oklahoma City. It was his third rehab start, I believe. He has one more, and then after that, could potentially join the Dodgers. And He's starting uh, right now, and like they have five starters, they have so it's they've been using like Andrew Heaney on a pitch count, trying to sort of keep him healthy. Um, but then, like you just don't know. Like you could see a situation where, you know, I think I think they would insert May into the rotation and then figure it out from there. But you could see a situation in October where. 
depending on how he's doing, they might like him as the as the swing guy, as the two inning guy, you know, three times in a series instead of you know two starts or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I could see that, but like other than that, I don't really see any like radical changes or anything. Um, yeah, the only thing I was gonna say is it would be it'll be a lot of maybe not in the regular season uh as you were saying but i think come playoffs it'll depend so much on like how recovered ha- is may how recovered is bueller and in oh in right what, exactly. how do they how do they view that um who maybe through sort of in, internal conversations who do they think maybe of of anderson or heaney who would be maybe comfortable not filling the traditional starter role i'm i'm actually a little curious and i, I haven't done the research to to totally argue against you so i'm not going to do it yet but i'm not i would not at least from my daydreaming perspective totally dismiss bobby miller filling that david price and a wayne white role i i have to kind of look to see what those two players minor right. league loads were like um in the seasons they did that i, I don't know that offhand but I, I I would at least put that as a, as a possibility, um, but you the, know the stuff is certainly there, right? Like exactly. If, yeah, and you know, and and it's one of the things where I I guess I got what I could see again. I know from a major league perspective, I don't know what the minor league load was like. David Price, they tried this with um, Walker Bueller, and he did not exactly <laughs> perform the stuff, so they didn't do it. But I wouldn't be necessarily be surprised. We're like, here, Bobby, have five or six appearances, and if your stuff just is blowing people away, maybe we'll give you a give you a shot right. to, to perform they, in the playoffs. They, they did try that with Walker Bueller in 2017. Right, right. Uh, and, and it, it like, didn't work. It just didn't, didn't <laughs> yeah. quite work. But like, and, that's, and they could totally try it, right? Like, yep, exactly. Oh, but though I forgot to mention, I guess the other, the actual like potential game changer in a sense is that Blake Trinan is like mm-hmm. getting closer and closer. Like he's, he's thrown like twice uh, uh, in San Francisco, uh, like to batters and stuff. And, he could be like going out on a rehab assignment soon. He's at a point where he said the other day he's healthy, his shoulder. Um, now it's just a matter of building up endurance, like so he can go like back to back games. He can't really do that yet. So you could see like late August he comes in and you know he 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 might not close. He could certainly close a few games if they wanted. But like he he's the he's like the smoke jumper guy, right? Like the but like if you if you have him and Phillips and like just getting like you know eight outs or something total late in the game, then you could figure out closing like that. And then other, all the other like people there. And we, we haven't even gotten into like the, if Danny Duffy exists um, or like possibility of um, Tommy Canely coming back, Victor Gonzalez coming back. Like those are more wild card types. Uh, Bruiser Gratterall is closer. Like he's going to be back at some point. So he'll, he'll, he would get shots too. So I think they're in good shape, like, even if Kimbrell doesn't do well. But, like, so I think that was another reason, like, I think why they were light at the trade line. They just figured some combo of the, like, I think they have eight pitchers on the 60-day DL right now. Or uh, or maybe I I miscounted, but, um, or I guess I was counting um, Chris, not Chris, Edwin Rios in the total. Mm. But, like, they have a number of pitchers, like, who could, who could be back. Um, and like, you know, if two of them are good, like that's a good addition, right? (laughs) Like that's, that's pretty good. So like, um, and it could be more than that. So who knows? But like, yeah, so there are, I think there are options uh, to to, long way to answer that question. Aaron judge has hit 43 home runs so far this season. Do you think he will break Roger Maris's 61 home run record? And if so, 
How many home runs do you think you will end up with this season? Okay, so I was talking with someone to someone about this the other day, and, I, and I, I'm pretty sure I've known this, right? But like, but it still makes me laugh or marvel every single time I hear it that Roger Maris still has the American League record for home runs in the season <laughs> with 61. So there's there's six um, six times a National League player has gone 62 plus. And my uh, my favorite, I, I was I specifically was talking about this the other day. I said, which is a which is a, a more amazing fact? Uh, one that Roger Maris still holds the um, AL record with sixty one home runs, or that Sammy Sosa has three of the six sixty two <laughs> plus seasons and never led the league in home runs in those three seasons. <laughs> like that's insane. So yeah, uh, fun times. But yeah, uh, to answer your question, he will break Roger Maris's American League home run record, and he he will hit. 63 home runs this season. 62. All right. I, I forgot. I need to write this down so I can log it in our our bet thing. <laughs> this is good. We're we're talking about – well, I mean, we're, there's no money exchange, but we're, we're talking about betting on a Vince Scully <laughs> podcast. This is this feels wrong. Uh, we're not really betting. We're just yeah. we're just talking. We're talking. That's all. You said you said 62? Yeah. I said 63. Okay. Smash burgers are a favorite at pop-up stands and burger joints. Do you think you would enjoy the thinner, crispier burger, or were you more of a traditionalist? I love myself a smash patty. Um, how I prepare my burgers when I, I make them at home. Um, I still think my favorite is sort of the In-N-Out apple pan um, kind of variety, where like it's not a gourmet thick burger, and it's not right. a smash burger either. But given the choice between a or like a really thick burger or smash burger, I'd go smash burger all the way. I think I would definitely take smash over the thick burger. I think when I when I make it making burgers at home, I I probably tend to make them thicker than I would prefer them going out, and it's more just a like I'm. I'm maybe putting in too much beef or something in each patty. The, uh, the yeah. uh, Series Eats has a great smash burger style uh, recipe. I'll have to send you, and you'll you'll yeah. never make them a different way. I think. I don't. I don't think I've ever made smash burgers. I've had oh, them. I'm looking at but like pictures yeah. of that of uh, the no, hickory I, I, apple I pan like burger. The, right I like now. it in concept. There's also like um, it, there's a there's a cool way the you can get the cheese going on a smash burger mm-hmm. that, that sort of uh, sets it apart from the, like a thick burger type thing. Uh, just the consistency of it. Um, sure. So yeah, it's, it's really good. Wow. Well, that we're, we're, that's a good way to end. And once again, Craig making us hungry um, at the end. Uh, so yeah, um, I, I hope uh, you enjoyed this. I hope uh, we did uh, Vin proud. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed it. And, uh, Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will talk to you next week. Oh, uh, I forgot to tell you, the Dodgers are in first place. Mm -hmm.